Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Matt Chat with David Miracatani. Today's guest wants to change the title of our show to Matt Chat with Miracat. My guest today is the assistant coach at Arizona State University, Lee Pritz. Lee, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Meerkat? I'm doing good, man. How's uh how's the weather in Arizona right now? Oh, it's beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh sunny. I don't know what the temp is, but I'm in shorts and uh in a polo. <laughs> making them making us jealous out here in the Midwest, that's for sure. Well Yeah. <laughs> well I love it. Well let's dive right into it. Um, you're known as one of the best and most tireless recruiters in the country with an incredible Rolodex and network of wrestling people around the country at every level. What is it about recruiting that you like the least and the most? Oh, the least? That's simple when you don't get your guy. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, the thing, I can tell you this, when I started coaching, you know, what's that, 18 years ago, uh, my first couple of years, it was it was pretty tough. I wasn't I wasn't too excited about the recruiting game. But I think the reason why was I, I, I thought you had to I thought the name of the game was to go out and do whatever it takes to get a kid, sell kids, you know, and you know, I, I really did. I thought it was about selling and I didn't feel good about the game. I just thought it was I didn't think people were doing the right things in, in recruiting. And I started talking to a lot of people that I thought we're good at it, and I kept getting the same at the end of the day, and they would go through all these different things, be organized and be committed and, you know, make it a real relationship. And that's actually, at the end of the day, it all came down to that, build real relationships. And so I guess the thing that I like about it most is the relationships that you build. Mm-hmm. And it's not only with, with, the, with the recruit himself, but it's, it's the parents, it's the club coaches, the high school coaches uh the you know the people that are important in, in that person's life and you start building those relationships and you know and again sometimes you don't get your guy i'd say more more than more than not you don't get your guy you know uh when you when you start doing the numbers but you you keep the relationships forever and i think that's a pretty cool part about it yeah, for sure. And you know, you guys might recruit ten, twelve guys a year. So how many how many phone calls, how many how many guys do you have to start with to get to that ten or twelve? Well, I don't know how everyone else does it. I really don't. I got a good start. When I started my career, I started with Brian Smith at University of Missouri and he learned how to recruit like the Ivy Leagues and it's it's kind of mass recruiting, you know. They go out there and they reach out to, you know, a hundred plus kids. And then once you figure out what pool they live in, you know, or can swim in, you know, you go, oh. you know, you start with a hundred kids and then you get their transcripts and you go, okay, well, he has a 2.8. He's not going to the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. So you automatically start marking those guys off the list, you know, and it's kind of the same thing here. You know, you figure out which group of guys can fit into this environment and you start marking guys off the list, uh, and then you get narrowed down to, and I don't even want to give it a number, but because I, I don't, I think it changes from year to year and needs and everything else. But when you get down to that number, you know, you probably have, you know, if you're looking for a specific weight class, four or five guys that you're going after, and and you have to be, 
You know, you have to be going after multiple guys that just like just like the recruit is looking at multiple schools. Yeah, and it's so funny it's cause a two-way street, right? Yeah, it is, and it's funny because I get that a lot. Like, you know, little Johnny will be like, you know, so you uh, heard you're recruiting Tommy over here too. I'm like, I am. You know, and they're like, <laughs> well, what about me? I'm like, well. I know you're looking at Nebraska and, you know, Missouri and, you know, Old Dominion and us. So I tell you what, I will stop talking to Tommy if you commit to me right now. You know, <laughs> you know well, that's not fair. I want to keep my options open. Well, me too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it is. It's, it sounds great. And that's, that's, I guess, the tough part of it. There's always a business side of it. That's the business side that gets a little tough. But – you know what? At the end of the day, if if you did your job and you really build true relationships, then there can be an open line of communication, and and I, I feel the problems can be solved easily. Yeah, for sure. And even if you don't get those guys, you know, That's right. you leave things on good terms, and you never know what circles back to you. So, well, well, yeah, you got that part of it, and then you also just have just the you know just in general, it, it, you know, why are you doing it? Is it you know why why are you coaching? You know, and if if you're coaching for the right reasons, those relationships that you build, you know, you want to see those guys go on and have success, regardless if it's with you or with not. Now, don't get me wrong. If I lose a guy and he's at another school, I would love to see him take second place behind our guy. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I still want him in that finals. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, your recruiting class was recognized nationally as the number one class in the country. And that was at the same time uh, Coach Zeke Jones took over as the head coach. How much work went into that recruiting class, and, and what roles did Coach Charles, Zeke, and Coach Pendleton play in that process? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, having Zeke come here was has been amazing, and I was part of both both regimes. And I'll tell you, let me back up. Besides the coaches, I was here with two different athletic directors, and there was a different set of terms when Ray Anderson, our current AD, came in. Uh, when, when he walked in the door uh, in February, he made a commitment to the department, and his first hire was wrestling. His first hire was Zeke Jones, and you know that he came in and, and Zeke basically told you when they went after him, Zeke goes, why would I go anywhere? I'm coaching the best team in the world. I have all the resources I want. And, you know, why, why would I leave? And Ray Anderson basically told him, we want to do the same thing here. And, you know, this is Zeke's alma mater and he has a love for the place. And ultimately this is where, you know, even when he's done coaching, this is where he wants to live. And he said, you know what, this is perfect. Let me go. So, with the commitment financially, and you know, from the athletic department to the wrestling program and everything, uh, it was huge. So we'll back back up to that number one recruiting class, and it all started with the Valencia brothers. You know, um, you know, and again, it it was great that we had a relationship for two years. You know, as soon as I got here, the relationship was being cultivated with those guys. And their dad, Ruben, and, you know, J.D. Hawkins, who was a big part of them. And, you know, I can go, you know, they've had a lot of people touch them in, in their room doing things. And so there was good relationships being built with those guys. 
and a trust factor. Well, I still don't believe we would have got them under the old set of circumstances that was ASU wrestling. But now all of a sudden you start fast-forwarding. They're juniors, and we get the new AD. We get Zeke Jones. You know, all of a sudden the momentum starts kicking. Within three weeks or so of Zeke being here, they're like, let's do it. Let's not look anywhere else. This is the place, you know, and Zeke, Zeke was huge in that. And our AD was huge in it. You know, when you look at it, once we got them, mm-hmm. and then Zeke started working his connections out east, you know, and with Matt Levy, and, you know, he had some guys out of Franklin Regional, and, 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 and you know, and, you know, it just, and then, and then Chris Pendleton jumps on board, and, you know, he's recruiting some of the same guys, and, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, he was recruiting them at Wyoming, now he's here, now Zeke wants them, you know, th- these guys as well, and so I call it the perfect storm. There was, there was a lot of resources, there was a lot of scholarship dollars, and there was a lot of momentum and a lot of excitement, and, you know, it all came together because, everyone worked their tail off and, and got on the same page and made it happen. Well, you certainly brought in a great class, and, and, and I, I assume the answer would be something along the lines of it was a team effort. And, you know, you look at what you guys are building out there, and not only are you creating a culture that the high school guys want to come to, but you've also created a culture that uh, that transfers are finding attractive. And specifically I'm referring to, to Ryan Milhoff and, and Jason Sertzis. Why do you think those two guys picked Arizona State, and and what is your guys' expectations of them? Uh, you know, obviously, searches for one year and, and Milhoff for two years. What are your expectations for those guys? Well, let me go through um, why I believe they picked here first, and then I'll get to their expectations. Why uh, Jason searches was under a unique situation, um, which I know a lot of people read about. He was academically eligible under the NCAA rules. But at Northwestern he was on a he was on probation, you know, academic probation. And uh you know, and there was different terms within that probation uh that that are above and beyond NCA rules, you know, and, and universities can do that. Well, he ended up getting a grade below what he was able to under his terms and it, it made him ineligible. Well, or I'm sorry, not ineligible. He was still eligible. It made they suspended him from school for a year. I got you, you. know, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now all of a sudden he's in a tough spot. You know, he's he's a fifth year senior. He has no redshirt. You know, if he has a redshirt, no problem. He redshirts and you know next year wrestles and stays there. And he loves it. He didn't want to go anywhere. Sure. Um. So all of a sudden he he's forced. He's forced to look around, and and again, you know, Zeke jumped on him and brings him out. And I remember when I talked to him, and, and I didn't spend a, a, a lot of time with him. There was a lot of things going on, and Zeke was spending, and, and I think Pelton spent a lot of time with him. And but I remember telling him, you know, we can put you at just about any school in the country, and you're gonna have success. You're, you know, you're a great wrestler. Obviously, he's a national champ. Right. I said, what I would bet on if I were you, and I said, I can't be the one to make this decision. You have to. But I would bet on the compliance team that you feel is going to get you your year back. 
Right. You know, and and at the time we were we were talking sixth year. We didn't know if it was going to be this year, fifth, his fifth year, or next year, sixth year, which it ended up being a sixth year. But I said, you got to go with the compliance team that you feel can do it. So at the end of the day, uh, I don't think it had uh, as much to do with our wrestling program as it did our compliance team. And our compliance team worked hard, and they did an amazing job. And so at the end of the day, um, do I think the wrestling program was attractive? Yes. Do I think if we didn't have everything lined up and in place the way we do, he would be here? Absolutely not. But I don't think he would be here without our compliance team, you know, explaining to him what they, you know, how they could put together a case. They didn't guarantee because they didn't know. They said, we're going to put together the best case we can. And we have a team of our whole compliance staff is lawyers. (laughs) So he, you know, they they really are. So he felt great about it. He's like, okay, let's do, you know, he waited out and he made us sweat a little bit and then he committed. And Milhoff was, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's fine. Oh, yeah, and Milhoff, um, hey, it just kind of, you know, everyone was talking, and we were all working hard and talking and building the relationship, and it was a short, fast, quick. Uh, and when we got word of it, we were like, ah, you know, I don't know. If we, do we do we do it? Do we not do it? Do we jump on this? You know, and there was a lot of rumors going around, and, and again, I know Chris has some contacts down in Georgia, and I have some contacts in Georgia, and, we were actually on a staff retreat when this started happening. We started making calls and we started working on it. And then it started to evolve over the next few days. And fast forward, I don't know, six weeks and he's on a recruiting trip and he went on some other trips and he came in and he just fell in love with the place and, you know, fell in love with the team and his dad felt super comfortable here and, you know, was able to really communicate and be open and on, and and it and it fell into place. You know, he he was like, man, this this place. He 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 said it basically that this place, there's something magical about this place. That's so awesome. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now sure. ex, expect expectations. It's the same as every other person on the team, or every other person that comes in here, or every person we recruit. Number one expectation graduate, you know, get your degree. That's the reason you're going to college. You have to get your degree and then, you know, work your tail off and strive to, to reach your potential, you know, work every day with a purpose to reach your potential. You know, can we put a, can we put a title on it? Yeah. Do we expect this guy to win a national title or that guy to go on and, and fight for a world and Olympic title? Absolutely. But you know, when you look at the big picture of the program, you have guys that it might be unrealistic for them to be a national champ, you know, or for them to start even ever. Right. You know, but guess what? They're in the program and you still expect that guy to get his degree and work his tail off every single day. And, you know, when he leaves here to uh, be a productive citizen of our country. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Zeke and Chris Pendleton and a couple guys in that in that story that you're telling. And to me, you guys have a very interesting, I guess what I call it, a clash of cultures. And what I mean by that is so many multiple influences in the wrestling room. You know, you've got Zeke, who's an Arizona State grad and, you know, one of the best technicians in the world. You've got Nashawn Garrett, by the way, you know, coming from Cornell. 
you got Pendleton and, and J.O. from Oklahoma State and their wrestling tree. And then you got Coach Garcia from Cuba. And then there's obviously yourself. You've been a part of multiple coaching staffs. What are the benefits to the coaching staff, the wrestlers, and the program of having so many different styles in one room? And what is one thing that you've learned from the other guys on the staff? Well, I think the benefit – well, let, let me start by saying – and it is. And there's a – you know, there's a lot of differences, you know, where, you know, we have a game plan that we set out, and we, we really do – we, we – you have your cycles, you know, we're going this six week cycle of this and then into another, into the next six week cycle or a four week cycle and then a peaking cycle. And we have all these different cycles that we map out, you know, and then build our schedule. And then, and then the ideas come, you know, and, and there's a lot of them, you know, cause everyone, and when you look at, there's a lot of strong personalities in there. You got a lot of tight you know, guys in that room. A whole lot. And, and I think everybody's aware of that and, and they respect each other's boundaries and, and stuff. And and I don't think it would work if you didn't have a guy like Zeke Jones who is used to dealing, you know, I mean, he, that, that's, a, that's as a national team coach. I mean, he's used to dealing with, you know, a lot of alpha males, type A, <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot of type A personalities and making it all mesh into one. You know, and and at the end of the day, he had to make it all mesh into one for one weekend, for one day, you know, really out of the year in a four-year cycle for the Olympics, right? right. So it, it's 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 he's very good at managing, you know, a, a, a team like like that. And so it's good, you know, and so we can all put our ideas on the table, and ultimately. You know, he goes through them and goes, all right, we're going to keep this. We're going to get rid of this, keep this, throw that away, put these four things in. All right, let's go. This is the plan. And, you know, and our staff is great because once that plan's in place, and, again, I may have ten ideas on the board that got thrown out and they kept one, you know. And, <laughs> and you know, and, and Haslan Garcia might have six, eight things on the board and they kept two. You know, whatever it is. And we go into it, but once we go into it and we all know the plan, we we are one unit and we put that plan. So I think it works great. I think it works amazing. It's not all everyone came from the same school of thought and the same process, and so we all just, this is the way to do it. And then when it's not working, we're like, well, we just got to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, doing it harder, and it's going to work. You know, right. I think there's yeah. enough ideas here to where it really can it works out nicely. Is there one thing that any of those guys that have, you know, that you've been around there in, in, at ASU in particular that have really changed your mindset on, on how you look at things? Uh, I wouldn't say – no, no, not necessarily. Um, I pick up a lot, a lot of – you know, as you know, Dave, you've been around the sport a long time and you've been around a lot of great people and, you know, I mean, heck – Think about, you know, before I ever met your pops, your your dad and I, you know, <laughs> we're we're totally different, but our thought process is probably pretty similar. As you know, it's pretty similar on a lot of things For sure. involving yeah. this sport. And, you know, and I think that the foundation and the basis of success, we're all pretty, 
on the same page. And there's a couple of different avenues to get there in a couple of different ways. But I think where I pick up the most is on a daily basis. And, you know, maybe, maybe how Zeke Jones handles a situation, you know, maybe how, uh, you know, how, a, how a Jordan Oliver changes something technically, which is minor, you know, a little sidestep here where like he did something the other day on, on, on a double where he did this little sidestep and I, and it blew my mind. I'm like, God, I've been wrestling 25 years or so. And <laughs> that's a minor, the most minor little step. I've seen, and, and it just changed. It was mind blowing, you know? So it's like little things like that, that I pick up, I'd say on a daily basis, that is just, uh, you know, keeps you evolving. Yeah, those tweaks can make a big difference for sure. Oh, for sure. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you know, you talked about, you know, you mentioned my dad and, and you know, somebody like somebody like that that you respect. And I know you've told me on more than one occasion how much you respect and admire Art Martori, the leader of the Sunkiss Kids. Um, tell me something about Art that maybe the rest of us don't know. And how has he impacted the growth of freestyle wrestling in America over the last so many years? Ah, uh, something they don't know. And, and uh, you know, I don't know him, like – real real well but i know him well enough and been a few places with him where he loves speed and he's got a lot of toys like he's got all these doom buggies and <laughs> the razor quads the and stuff yeah well well when i say doom buggies i'm not talking about you know those those you you go in them them i'm talking ones that have wheels as big as you know that you can stand in and oh, okay yeah four foot shocks on them and they go out to these sand dunes, and they're going, I don't know how fast, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, and they're flying off these sand dunes, and they're flying like 100 feet in the air. <laughs> 100 feet in the air? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> he says he doesn't fly that far. Like, he goes out with some of these race car drivers. I don't know any of them, but, you know, I mean, they're all the, you know, like, like if you name a few of the race car drivers, like, on the circuit, I know you would probably say a couple of their names. It's. You know, and so he'll go out in these sand dunes with these guys, and they fly. He's, he, I guess he doesn't do the 100. He only jumps like 60 feet. Yeah, that's but, all. Only 60. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Sure. I'm like, not in the, you want to go? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm straight. I'm, I'm going to stay right here on the ground. Just go on that yeah, I'm going to go work on, some, right. work on some leg laces. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go surf for a weekend. You go fly 60 feet in a dune buggy. That's I'm right. good. Yeah. But... That's probably something I don't know if a lot of people know, and uh, he's just a fun-loving dude. Yeah. But uh, how he's impacted the sport in Meerkat, I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, what impacts, but I'll tell you this. I know it's at a high level. When you start thinking about some of the people that have wrestled for Sunkist, yeah. you know, John, John Smith wrestled for Sunkist. Right. Kale Sanderson, you know, I mean – Helen Morales, who obviously, you know, we just won the gold medal. She's, you know, a son kissing. And, you know, you can go, KB, uh, Jordan Burroughs, son kiss kit, you know, and, and I know Jordan's had other offers at other places and, and has stayed loyal to son kiss because of, of who Art is. And Kim, Art, his daughter Kim is a huge, huge, huge part of it too. But, you know, I think he's done things for the sport. And again, I'm not pretending to know because I don't know, but I know enough by watching 
that I think he's impacted probably the sport on a world level. Not, not even in the United States, but on a world level. And, you know, I just, I, I just watch how people respond to him and, and I don't think he does, well, I know he doesn't do it for recognition. He does not, he's not a recognition guy. He's a passionate guy. He loves the sport of wrestling. He's extremely passionate. And the other thing is, and I think this is probably his biggest attribute, is he loves people. You know? So, his job is, is, I mean, he, when you're, when you have that kind of passion for the sport of wrestling and you love people, I mean, that's his avenue to help people, you know, become great in life. And, you know, and I, and I know he, he helps people in their personal life. He helps them, you know, after wrestling to get to the next stage in their life. And he's just an amazing person. Yeah, I know a lot of people feel that way about him. And it's, um, I know the next time I come to Arizona, if, he, if I'm lucky enough to ask him to take me for a ride, I'm going to make sure we're not going out in those but you know what he does have? I will tell you one more thing. He does because he has cars. He has a bunch of cars. He has a passion for cars, mm-hmm. and uh, so he gets all these cars. He's nice. I mean, like old cars, and he, you know, has a great. He he knows how to build them on everything. You know, he's pretty remarkable there. He has, and you know, as you know, I surf. So you know those old Woodies, the old school cars in the sixties and seventies, the Woodies that oh, yeah. the surfers are driving around, the surfboards hanging out the back and stuff. Right. Well, he he has one that is just mint condition. It's awesome. <laughs> and the first question would be why, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but he has one. Okay. And he don't like me enough yet, but one day I'm gonna get him to like me enough to where he lets me take that thing. And I want to drive it from the top of the, you know, PCH all the way down and just stop at different spots and surf. And I make him tell me no at least, well, not not at least. Every time I see him, I'm like, hey, what about me and that Woody in the PCH? <laughs> You're going to have to catch him in a moment of weakness, yeah. <laughs> yes. Before he, hey, before that dude dies, I'm getting that Woody. <laughs> <laughs> We better change subjects. That could go in the wrong direction. Anyway. That could go bad. <laughs> that could go badly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as you know, you know, I, I coach a lot of guys that are fighters, and, you know, the Phoenix area is such a hotbed for MMA with power MMA, producing guys like Bader, Jimmo, C.B. Dalloway, Aaron Simpson, and a bunch of the other guys. And obviously, yeah. MMA is a viable career path for wrestlers after they complete their eligibility. How is... Arizona State and and uh, Power MMA and those connections. How has that benefited your guys' program? Well, you know, there we have guys that have an avenue if they want to go down that avenue when they're done. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think, yeah, well, not think. You look around. There's a lot of wrestlers doing it. You know, I know Darian Caldwell. You know, spent you know a while, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half out here. Right. I know. Michael Chandler's come out and done the training camp at Power for, I don't know, six, eight weeks. And, you know, there's been a lot of people roll through here. And, you know, Tyrell Fortune's out here training. He's uh, he's not at Power. He's at another local gym. But, um, uh, you know, uh, oh, Trice, you know, Doughboy's out here. Doughboy's out here throwing hands. He's getting ready to have his first fight. And so there's a lot of people that come through. But I think what it is is, 
they know they have the option. If you're done wrestling or when you're done wrestling, you know, you can slide seven miles over to the gym and, and you're still going to be part of the Sun Devil family because it's, you know, Sun Devil people running it. Absolutely. And, you know, you're going to have your good foundation with wrestling. And then there, you know, look at Ryan Bader and the success he's had, you know, and, and his, you know, I don't know much about the the MMA game, but I know you do. And is, is it safe to say Ryan Bader's stand-up game has gotten pretty good over the years? Yeah, he just had a phenomenal fight this last weekend and is awfully close to a title shot, I would think. So, yeah, I mean, and he's right. obviously developed a lot more than just wrestling to get to that level. Right. So you look at that and you know they have the people in the gym that can do it, right? And Because uh, he don't train anywhere else. where he trains. And, and so, you know, you go, okay. Right there, I can make this. I can make this. And and Dave, when I got here, I'm going. I'm in my fifth season right now. But when I got here, I remember walking in and seeing Melvin Douglas at the time teaching eight year olds, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And it, it was. I, I pulled in town January 5th. I had my U-Haul out in front of the restaurant. I didn't go to my place yet. I just pulled right into the <laughs> restaurant room. <laughs> that sounds like you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's about right. And I, I I walked in, and I went, oh, my God, that's Melvin Douglas teaching eight-year-olds. And I'm going, holy cow, they come through here. Then they come into, you know, obviously through the high school program, and they go come to ASU. Then they go into Sunkist senior level and wrestle, you know, for World and Olympic titles. And then they get done. They slide over to Power MMA. I was like, I started thinking about the possibilities. I go, oh, my God, Any anybody I recruit, I'm like, hey, this would be your home for the next 15 years. Right. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, this is, you're going to set your roots because this is what you want to do. Bam, we got the next 15 years. Yeah. And it just, it was unbelievable, the possibilities. And, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking around and, like, I thought it was, I thought it was, on my part, I was like, oh. Look at the idea I just came up with. They've been doing it for years. Yeah, yeah. A little slow on the learning curve there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we started doing this in the 80s. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thank you guys for driving around your, you're driving around your woody while we were handling this. So, yeah. Right. Like yeah. So, you know, it was, it was funny because I was like, hey, you know the possibility? You know what you can do here? Like, yeah, what we've been doing since the 80s? I'm like, yeah, that thing. That thing, exactly. <laughs> so... Well, just one last question for you. I know how much, how committed you are and your staff is to to all the pillars of success, but if you guys were able to win a national title, and Arizona State's obviously one of the handful of schools that have actually won one, what would that mean to you personally, to the staff, the school, and the overall community? You know, obviously ASU's won one, uh, and I hear about it quite a bit, you know, like, hey, you guys got to get that, bring one of those back again. And, it, 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 you know, so being around a program that has won one, there's only one, there's 12 schools, 12 schools in the history of the NCAA that's won an NCAA title. So, um, you know, hearing about it, you go, okay, that's pretty sad. I don't, I don't know what, personally, what it feels like. I, I haven't been part of winning a team title, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I imagine it's pretty amazing, but more importantly, I start looking at the, the, the student athletes that get it done. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I start looking at what it would mean to Ray Anderson and, you know, President Crow for the commitment level they put in. Cause it's not just, Hey, we want wrestling to win and here, give them this kind of money and Hey, okay, you guys go do it. They have a vested commitment and they put time into our program. They put personal time into our program. So I think for them, it'd be amazing and, and something they could take the trophy home and sleep with it for a night, you know? Um, <laughs> for Zeke Jones, he's won a lot, you know, and he's felt a lot of, you know, he's, he's coached Olympic champions and I mean, heck, he's the world champ himself. And, you know, he was part of an NCAA title team. So, you know, I think, you know, it'd bring back a lot of emotion for him. But again, what it would do for the community, there's so many committed people here, Dave. There are so many committed people to this program that give so much time. They, they give, Zeke says it best. He goes, people can give one of three things. They can give time, wisdom, or wealth. And I was like, yeah. Well, we have people doing all three. And I think for those people, you know, they're doing it for a reason, you know, they're doing it for a reason and they're doing it for the, for the student athletes and to watch them become successful. But man, I think if they got that done and they, they got to win this title, I, I, I don't know that I have the words to describe what it would mean to a lot of people here. I'm sure it'd have a huge impact. Like you said, you know, I'm here. I'm sure you hear from the alums all the time, you know, look, it's time to get another title back down here to Arizona. And I was actually at that tournament as a kid when they won without a finalist. So it was pretty amazing. So, um, well, without a champ, right? They had without a champ. Yeah, Davies made the finals yeah. that year. That's right. Without a champion. Yeah. So, yeah. well, we, we've been friends a long time. I appreciate you doing the interview. Um, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and insights with us. Wish you and, and all those guys down there the best of luck and have a happy Thanksgiving, man. Hey, I appreciate it, man. I, uh, I love what you're doing. Keep, uh, keep it up. Thank you. Well, that was Matt Chat with David Maricatani. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Have a great day.